Friends, welcome to the Ransomed Heart Podcast. John Eldridge with you today and Alan Arnold on our team. And I want to send out a greeting to all our international listeners. One of the joys of going overseas last year to do several different events was to meet friends from around the world. And we were so encouraged, kind of blown away, to be honest, that so many of you who are friends of the Ransom Heart team and the podcast are out there scattered across the globe and in all kinds of diverse places. So very warm greetings to you from a very cold Colorado. <laughs> we are having yes. a huge snow year this year, which is great for the moisture, but if I have to shovel my driveway one more time. Anyway, folks, I want to bring you into a conversation that Alan and I were having offline. Alan, you had a kind of a unique January this right. year, I think disruptive. Very in some ways that flushed some great questions that I think our listeners are going to enjoy hearing about and hearing us talk through. So first, the slow pace of your January and what it surfaced in you. It surfaced a lot. And to begin, I would say I've never had a slow January that I can remember. That's always been, you know, when the calendar turns, it goes from Christmas and New Year and a week or so off with family into it's full throttle. Go. Like the new year has begun. Don't get behind. Yeah. And so that's my perception of January every year. And this year I made the deliberate decision to live differently for the month of January. And I was able to take a little bit of time off and get off the grid and focus on what does it look like to live an unhurried life. That, that was, I guess, how I would sum it up in three words is, what does an unhurried life look like? Because, man, I had lost track of what that even could be, what that could mean. So you are typically a very busy guy, very goal-oriented, right? Mm, yes. And, you know, there's a lot to be said for productivity and getting things done on one hand, but my temptation is always to evaluate a day based on how much got done. So the more you get done, the more things get checked off the list, the, the more ahead you can try to get. To me, that was the sign of a really good day. And a really not good day was the day where nothing went according to plan and you didn't really get much of anything done that you had planned on. And John, the problem, of course, with that is it's not a barometer of God showing up at all. Like it's, it's very much a flesh driven, human driven way of living. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm sure nobody else does. But I hear some people wrestle with this. Well, man, I wanted to attack that and shine a light on it in January for myself, for my own soul and soul care. And so January became this month of what would it look like? To, as Dallas Willard uh, has said, many people know Dallas Willard, he wrote um, The Divine Conspiracy and phenomenal Christian thinker and writer. And he has this phrase, the ruthless elimination of hurry. And so that's what he, I... He, it's more irritating than that. It's, it's absolutely irritating. He said, and I'll do my best Dallas impersonation, you must ruthlessly eliminate 
hurry from your life. And you're like, yeah, you're a, you're a retired college professor like that. Right. That sounds lovely, but I hate it when you point it my direction. I mean, <laughs> talk about the self-life rearing up. There's just yes. this, there's this reaction of, yeah, you know. Yeah, for me too. And I think anytime we hear that, the initial response it provokes is, right, you don't know my life are easy to say, but if you were living what I'm living, you'd see how impossible that is. And I'm in a stage of life right now where I have three teenagers at home. So my wife, Kelly, and I, very busy household, always something going on. Kids are in sports. Oh, sports, testosterone, hormones, grades, you know, friendships, dating. It's a lot. And there's not a day that, that goes by without something kind of coming up. And so I knew whatever I'm going to figure out for this ruthless elimination of hurry, I need to figure it out in the context of a busy life, of a full life. I can't go to some beach cabin and stare at a fire for three days or a month. I've got to do this in the midst of life. Yeah, this is big because we make a lot about Proverbs 4.23, one of our favorite passages here at Ransom Tart. Above all else, watch over your heart because it is the wellspring of life within you. And I think most people say, great, I'll do that this summer when I can get some vacation time. I'll, right. Or, or, or even just rest or what we would call Sabbath or, you know, yes. soul care, however you want to name those different categories. We tend to think of those as fitting into the holidays, perhaps, when we get a little time off or, you know, we cash in our week of summer vacation or we get a weekend. But what you were trying to do was to stay in your house. You didn't go to the Bahamas. No. Live your normal life. Three teenage kids, everything buzzing. And what would happen if I began to look for clutter and busy and hurry in ways that I could eliminate it? Yeah, that's a great way to say it. And so It was a new experience for me, obviously, but also for my wife, Kelly. So when the kids would go to school, this was January, so school starts back and I'm home for a little bit of of time. And so she would, you know, be sitting in the family room and I'd be at the kitchen table and she'd kind of glance over at me. And her question was, is what you're doing helping with this? Because you just look really busy or into something. And it led to some great conversations because neither one of us knew what does it look like to slow your heart down and live with another rhythm to life, to go against the spirit of hurriness. And I think, John, part of what it looked like for me was I had to eliminate some things that were constantly in front of me. And so it felt like there were these 50 things anytime I would look up that those 50 things were clouding my vision for whoever or whatever was really right in front of me and needed some good attention. And so part of it for me was, how can I start taking clutter out of my life? The things that, that I don't even really need to deal with, but that I just have had let sit for months and months and sometimes years. So, you know, it's that stack of paper on your desk, a hundred things. You don't even know what they are anymore. And the world hasn't ended, but you can't throw it away. But you've got to, at some point, start looking at things to say, I no longer need this, or I can file this, or I can throw this away. 
And it, so it was the first step of me finding out what is an unhurried life. The first step was release so many things that feel important that really aren't important or that really don't need to be a distraction. Well, one of the funny stories you told me about was your gym membership. And, <laughs> and you know, we're in a health plan that's good. It's a decent health plan. And it's one of those things that they offer you a little bonus if you work out X number of times a month because they figure, hey, this person's, you know, paying attention to their right, health and right. they're not going to cash in on some huge insurance claim. So please tell that story. Yeah, it's, it's embarrassing, but it's so revealing. So one of my favorite things that brings me life is working out. For some people, it may be a hike outdoors, and I like to do that. But I love the constant ability any day to go into a gym and they have an exercise bike and free weights. And so if I'm on the bike, I'm reading a book or it just brings life. And I actually hear from God really clearly when I'm in the gym. And that's just the place God speaks a lot to me. Well, so that place of joy over time, once I realized, wow, our insurance plan, they give like $20 a month if you go at least 12 times. Well, that sounds pretty good. It saves on the gym membership. But over the last two years, the joy seeped away and I found myself in my productivity mode saying, I've got to get to the gym 12 times a month. Got to get it in. Have to. And, and the pressure would build. So if you asked me if I were heading out to the gym in that period of two years, I could have told you this is number seven for the month. This is number nine. And if it got to the point, John, where even if I didn't have time to work out, if I was getting close to 12, I would go to the gym, check in, do three or four minutes of something and run out because I needed my 12 times. And so it's a great example of I no longer had the true motive for going, which was joy, but I had turned it into a productivity measure of did I hit the right number of times that somebody arbitrarily came up with, which was 12. And if I didn't, I've got to hit that. And I no longer heard much from God during those times because my objective was simply check it off, get in. Yeah. I know people who treat their quiet time like that. Got to get it in got to get it done. And it becomes very rote and very routine to them. I know people who have counseled people who treat their time with their kids like that. International, successful people traveling a lot who, you know, I've got the schedule with my daughter. I've got the schedule with my son. I'm going to get it in. We're going to have lunch. Right. You know, and one girl told me, college girl I was counseling, she went to lunch with her dad. Her dad pulled out his day timer, kind of his, his planning schedule book mm-hmm. thing. And she said, I wanted to scream and run out of the restaurant because it was just one more programmed thing. It was one more thing to fit it in. Yes. Ugh. Get it, get it done. Right. Check the box, get it in. And so what you, what you began to discover that I just, I just want to kind of articulate to our folks is you actually began to discover things that were busy yes. and hurry yes. that could go. Because listen, I know, I know, I know people already listening to this podcast are saying, oh, okay, here we go. You don't know my life. You don't know my, there is no margin in my life. I don't know, you know, you, this isn't meant to be shaming. No. And this isn't meant to be an additional form of pressure. But I'm shocked personally at the number of excuses that I have 
in my back pocket, ready to go for the lack of any kind of breathing room in my life. We're, we're just talking about creating some space. Right. Right. And the world, I think, the, the council so oftentimes, like I've heard time management experts say, here's the answer. Everything in your life that you can systematize, do. In other words, don't think about hardly anything mm-hmm. in your life that you don't have to think about so you can have free brain cells for what you do need. And that works in some instances, like put your keys in the same place when you come home every day so you don't have to find them. Great. Okay, that, that makes sense. But when it comes to other things in life, John, I think the problem for me was it led to an unexamined life because you start doing things like the gym membership. I started doing things that felt right and felt like a system and I didn't think about it anymore. And it took until this past January when I had a little bit of breathing space and a little bit of focused time to think about why I do what I do to say, this is crazy. This is insane. And I don't need to systematize things so I don't think about it. I need to examine on a deeper level, why am I doing what I'm doing and is it bringing life? And you can't do that in a super hurried pace. No, you can't. I think one of the things that's happened to us, Alan, as a people, as a culture, is we have lost all transition time. Mm. We just go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. You know, I finish a phone call, I make another. I'm pounding through email and I stop and have a meeting with someone and, and then race to lunch and come back and make a phone call. I mean, it's just, right. there's no pause. There's no breathing room. There's no space. And I witnessed this. A couple of weeks ago, I sent some friends a group text, friendly, important to me. I was actually making an announcement about some things going on in my life. And what I got back were universally five little thumbs up emojis. (laughs) And I just thought to myself, you're kidding me, people. Really? Like your lives are so busy. Yes. The text replaced the the phone call, right? And the texting is so much easier, right? And now we can't even text. We don't even have time literally to type out, hey, way to go, so happy for you, or whatever it might be. Exactly. It, you know, we try and communicate with our family and our friends. I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm frustrated with a little emoji. A symbol. Yeah, quick, <laughs> send. But I think it's a picture of the pace of life that we're living at. That we, I mean, we thought the text was amazing, but now we don't have time for the text anymore. Right. We just respond with a little exclamation point. Right. You know, Uh, so-and-so liked the three paragraph text I sent and they get back the little (laughs) exclamation point like, or. Was that me? It was not you. Okay. Yeah. It just is reflective of that pace of life. And so what I want to start with, I guess, today for everybody listening is you have to accept the reality that there is a different pace of life you can live because otherwise this will feel like somebody saying there's a way, but it can't be for you or that God has allowed our hearts to be at some resting pace, some of the time for some people, but not for everyone. And I think what we want to begin with John is to say, wherever you're at and whatever you're facing, there is a way for your heart 
to experience rest and for there to be an elimination of hurry, even in the busyness of life. Okay, so that's a, that's a big idea, that there's a difference between hurried, mm-hmm. and we might add harried, right, and busy, and full, and lots going on. I think what we'll do is we'll come back to that next time and just kind of pick up the conversation from there. But before we leave, friends, I just am curious if you would observe your inner life for a moment as you're listening to a podcast about a couple of guys talking about eliminating hurry, finding the clutter in our lives and and moving some of it out. Listeners, what is that provoking in you? Because I remember the first time I heard someone quote to me Willard's phrase, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. I knew immediately that there was some gold in it, but I also hated it. Mm -hmm. I hated the phrase. So it's just a good kind of soul care exercise to pause and say, do I like this conversation? Do I like where this is headed? Have I already framed three reasons why this is impossible for me? Pay attention to that because we want to come back next time and give you some thoughts on, on how to do it. And John, if I can leave them with one positive thought, it's this. If you can learn, like I did last January, how to eliminate hurry in the busyness of your life, Versus only if you escape to some beach vacation. If you can learn it in your everyday, then the promise is you can live it in your everyday. Exactly. And that's what we want to present to people. It's not some, you can do this once a year Mm -hmm. if you take the perfect vacation. Because I don't think that's what God promises. But if you can do it in the dailiness and the messiness of life with teenagers and with, you know, a crazy job and with demands coming at you, Mm -hmm. if you can do it there then you can live it and you can live it every day. And that's, that's the hope and that's the promise, I think. So there you go, folks. Part two coming next time. You've been listening to the Ransomed Heart Podcast with John Eldridge and Alan Arnold. <laughs>